1: Welcome to America's Heroes Group Roundtable, Legally Speaking with Steve Seidman. January is Cervical Cancer Awareness Month. Today is Saturday, January twenty second, 2022. Our host is Cliff Kelly, who you just heard. My name is Sean Claiborne, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. You have a great show today. We have a partner, Stephen J. Seidman. He's the founding attorney of Seidman Law Office with over 30 years as an experienced trial lawyer focused on personal injury. Steve is America's Heroes Group's partner, sponsor, and advisory board member. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm fine, thank you, and how are you doing today? Pretty good. Great to have you on today. Uh,
0: Well, thank you for having me. Um, I wanted to just kind of recap some things that have been going on, and not going on for that matter, uh, with the military and veterans' issues. Um, and if I could start, I'm going to start by talking about um, certain uh, handling of the military sex crimes mm-hmm. and uh, the way that they have failed victims. And uh, this is uh, executive producer You just mentioned her name, Glenda Smith, has been uh, at this a while. Uh, and we actually thought that there was some change that was sort of happening, um, especially after uh, this young woman, Ms. Guillen, uh was uh, murdered. Uh, and uh, apparently, though, we're sort of going backwards in, in certain of the uh, uh, places in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, the U.S. Armed Services, uh, they, were, they were found to consistently assign uh, certified investigators and special prosecutors. Um, and this, uh, they, they were charged with actually recently going ahead and, and finding out what's going on with certain sex, sex crimes and um, they're pushing, the, the legislature was pushing to make significant changes to the military justice system, especially with these these sexual crimes that are being committed against the female officers.
1: So were they doing um, this and, po- in you know, a positive direction, or were they making changes to... No, to... there was positive direction. Okay. A lot of that was because of stuff that they found out through the chain of
0: command that was not being done appropriately. Uh, they uh, issued a report that... Uh, they wanted change. This young woman uh, from the suburbs of Chicago, Ms. Guillen, was murdered, and turned out that there was sexual uh, discrimination going on and cover-ups with regard to that. And we thought that we really had sort of a sea change going on with that. But uh, recently, the Office of Inspector General the Department of Defense came back and released a report that stated from June 18 to May of 20, the military branch units did not comply with federal law and department policy requiring them to designate certified investigators and specially trained prosecutors in some sexual assault and domestic violence cases. Hmm. And recently we found out that at Fort Bragg uh, that there were some very troubling statistics coming out and the Defense Sexual Assault Incident Database showed there were 51 violent sex crimes reported at Fort Bragg in 2018, 49 in 2019, 36 in 2020. And in August, in, in 2018, there were 20 rapes or attempted rapes reported. In 1914, and at least seven in 2020. And recently, Rolling Stone had a great article about how an individual um, who was a, uh, a, 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 an advocate for sexual victims advocate, advocate, and she was formerly assigned to special forces at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, she was placed on administrative leave, investigated for two years, and ultimately fired after she raised questions about the military's handling of a Delta Force soldier accused of rape. That's so
1: crazy. So
0: what happened to this individual, her name was Lindsay Knapp. She was basically a civilian employee of the U.S. Army Special Operations Command, and what they did is they were there to support uh, uh, victims of, of sexual abuse. This just was reported in January, by the way. Mm. So there was a young artillery officer named Aaron Scanlon, a female, And uh, they investigated this, and they found out that Scanlon contended uh, that the Army mishandled her case, uh, and it turned out that the victim advocate, Knapp, um, said there were all kinds of things that went wrong. In 2016, Scanlon went to the agents of the Army CID, or Criminal Investigative Division, and said, hey, I was raped on the hood of a junk car behind a metal warehouse at Fort Bragg after a drunken fundraiser at, at a nearby bar. Yeah. Apparently there was ample evidence to support the rape uh, and uh, that a sexual assault had occurred, including a sexual assault exam, uh, accusatory text messages, and the like. And she went to the police department at Fayetteville by Fort Bragg the next day. Uh, they, they took uh, collected DNA evidence, and uh, it was concluded that a man named Vallejo was arrested for second-degree rape. He was a uh, someone who worked on base. He was indicted, faced up to 19 years in state prison, but two weeks before he was set to be tried in civilian court, the military prosecutors came in and said, we want to be the one to prosecute this man, drop the charges against him, we're going to take over. That's crazy. So what, what basically followed was a quiet court-martial that the rape victim, Scanlon, was excluded from attending in which all the jurors were senior special forces soldiers. They basically swept it under a rug, gave a quiet court-martial, and this victim's advocate, Knapp, observed the trial firsthand, and she was absolutely livid what she saw. She said that basically the idea that this guy, uh, that, that he basically had chances of being convicted that were slim and none, uh, she then drafted a five-page letter to uh, her to the attorneys,
1: and what did they do? They fired her. <laughs> they crazy. basically why took would her they, out why, of, why would the military go and put, stick their neck out for someone who's already been convicted in civilian court for rape?
0: They said that she wasn't convicted in civilian court. They indicted him in civilian court. They wanted to try him in civilian court where he would have gotten 20-some-odd years. Hmm. And in response to that, the... Military justice court said, "Hey, step back. We're the guys that are in charge here. You know, we want to prosecute this particular male uh, rapist, basically alleged rapist at the time." And so they did it in the court
1: martial uh, hearings. But I was always under the impression that when you're in the military, if you're active, if you're active duty, when I was active duty. You have if you do anything in the civilian world, you could actually get you could get um, penalized on the in the UCMJ, but you could also suffer consequences in the jurisdiction that you're in. Is that exactly,
0: true? except that that didn't happen here uh, because they they basically the military court in this particular at Fort Bragg came in, they took over and they convinced the state's attorney to drop all charges, saying it's our jurisdiction, and in fact they did drop all charges. Because they said it was their jurisdiction. That's crazy. Um, it is crazy. What's crazier is you have a victim's advocate that's there to protect the victim, and then all of a sudden she gets uh, basically accused of conduct unbecoming a federal employee mm. because she was so she so harshly reprimanded her authorities, saying what has been what happened here is a travesty of justice. So she gets rec- reprimanded, then terminated, and she has not worked for the military since. So she's pursuing a workplace discrimination claim at the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. But it, it's just—it's almost surreal uh, that uh, that this could happen. The uh, military judge who oversaw the court martial appeared before uh, a Pentagon advisory committee um, and asked if he could explain why there's such a very low conviction rates of soldiers accused of rape. And so he replied, well, many of these cases are factually weak because commanders are under an incredible amount of pressure from politicians and the media to press charges, even when proof is lacking. As a result, he said, it's often a very bad case, very bad facts, and you're going to get an acquittal. So what he's basically saying is, hey, we're just doing this because we got to do this. So I guess what I'm asking Uh, all of us, is what have we accomplished by uh, basically allowing this to occur? And I I would hope that this case is brought to the attention. I mean, Rolling Stones did a great article on it. And I would hope that this, this case is brought to publicity about how, um, you know, things are swept under the rug and especially we're still basically the same old culture
1: Right. that it,
0: people get, you know, women get raped, who cares?
1: Right. And the thing I is mean, is that's, that's what it seems to me. Yeah. And the thing that's most important you're, that we're bringing up is the fact that it's not that we're trying to assign guilt to the, to the plaintiff or the defender. We're basically saying, let the, let the actual judicial process go along the way it's supposed to. When you start to interfere and take pieces away from that, then you don't have a fair trial. You don't have a fair investigation at least have a fair investigation so that we can get to the facts and have a, a real trial. When you start playing favoritism and saying, hey, we're going to take, we're going to supersede this or we're going to cut this part of the law out, it's a, it's not fair because we have a lot of people that are in jail right now for lesser things. And you have people that are doing hey. heinous things that are getting away.
0: Right. And, and and military courts operate under what we call the Uniform Code of Military Justice, mm-hmm. which is a legal system. We all know it's entirely se- separate From that, what applies to civilian courts?
1: Right. Okay. So people don't realize it's actually more draconian than civilian court. UCMJ, the Uniform Code of mm -hmm. Military Justice, is way more strict than civilian law. So it's it's some fathomable that somebody can do you. You can actually you can actually be reprimanded for masturbating under the UCMJ. Mm -hmm. Now, in the UCMJ,
0: which is the uh, the the statute, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, you just said the the initials for it. Uh, and actually, the statute governing sexual assault and the related procedural rules, you know, in federal court's tough, right? Mm-hmm. But they're substantially the same as would apply in state or federal court. Mm-hmm. So then I have to ask you, if that's true, right, and you could get for masturbating, you could get, uh, let's say, convicted or, or charged under at the UCMJ, then why is it that a rape... That, that that was given, you just sweep it under the rug, give the guy a court-martial and say, okay, goodbye. I mean, you right. get court-martial, obviously there's a lot of ramification with that.
1: Right. With I mean, that. Once upon a time, I mean, being being gay or homosexual was considered a sodomy or considered wrong or illegal in the, under the UCMJ. Yeah.
0: I mean, and then you have police, in this article I encourage everybody to read, you had you basically police were blocked on national security grounds, from interviewing key witnesses. Uh, the the Special Forces Command refused to disclose the detectives, the names of two other Delta Force officers, friends of the rapist, who were present at the time of the alleged assault. Uh, I mean, they failed to ask to interview these people. Uh, and, and so it's just, to me, um, I mean, what have we spent all this time just, is it just in words? Is that what we're supposed to be doing is, is just saying, okay, we've made all these changes and everybody's okay, and then really it means absolutely nothing. I mean, there should be some, uh, some uh, ramifications for these type of things. So I just wanted to bring that to everybody's attention that, uh, you know, uh, there, there needs to be a, uh, a little bit of uh, a lot of, uh, of, of shouting and screaming about that one. So what do you um, think?
1: What do you think could be done to, to remedy this problem? So how do we? What needs to be done to make more accountability to the people who make these promises and also say that they're going to do certain things? How do we hold them accountable to make the change? Well, happen? the only way to
0: do it, you know, it's like it's it, it's like Lenny Bruce. He used to say he was an, <laughs> Lenny Bruce was an old comedian. He said in the halls of justice, the only justice you get are in the halls, <laughs> right? And I mean, it's a sad, sad look at it, and it's a sad perspective of it. But let's face it, the only thing that gets people frosted is when there's publicity. And now I just heard on on the news right before I came on that the public has 18% approval rate of Congress. 18%, okay? So now you think, okay, let's go to Congress, let's have hearings, let's do all this and that. But if there's an 18% approval rating from the public... Who's going to believe that anything's happening, or are they just going to believe it's swept under the rug? So how do you make a change? It's like anything else. You get a group of people and you start a movement, and that's the only way you make you make this. And I thought, quite frankly, I was I was really optimistic about it from all these years that that's what was happening. And I know Glenda was working so hard on that to make sure, and all these things were like put in, into effect. And in, but you know what? You got to do the job, right. okay? You can't just sweep under saying they're just women involved. Don't worry about it. Right? You got to do real investigation. Do it. Real,
1: right? Real work. You can't just I mean this. It seems like it's an old boys' school, and then kind of an old, good old boys' school that's yeah. at play. That the people are trying to you know cover each other's back and make sure that they watch you know watch each other over each other's shoulders in any circumstance, even when they do something wrong. When a true brother tells you, hey, that was the wrong thing you did, you need to get that fixed. Instead of trying to up, be accountable and stand up for the what's right, you have people kind of cowering and hiding in the shadows doing things that are wrong.
0: Yeah, and I, I think um, that's got to end. I think it's got to be brought. A big, big spotlight has to be brought on that, like so many other things. But that's one of the many things in the military. Uh, some good news uh, that the that I wanted to bring for veterans um, at the, uh, the chief judge Tim Evans, um, recently came out and and allowed Veterans Treatment Court at Layton Courthouse, and they're going to benefit from three hundred fifty thousand dollar grant to aid Veteran Restorative Justice Project. What that is is three hundred fifty thousand dollar grant for the University of Chicago Veterans Restorative Justice Project will provide aid to the Veterans Treatment Center in the Criminal Court Building which helps veterans who have criminal cases. So the two-year grant is from the Robert McCormick Foundation, and what it is, it's going to allow University of Chicago and other entities to help with veterans who have criminal issues and so they can avail themselves. Like We were just talking about the the civil justice system and how certain veterans, but uh, Evans said that he announced a partnership between the University of Chicago and the Circuit Court to help veterans who are struggling and are trying to rebuild their lives after coming into contact with the criminal justice system. Mm. Um, And he said, and this is a great quote, our heroic veterans stood firm in shoring up our nation's safety, security, and freedom. Now we have to help them find productive lives outside of the service. So what they're doing is if people, and we know that a lot of people for various reasons, whether it's drugs or personal issues, they have criminal issues. Mm -hmm. And as a result now, the Veterans Treatment Courts are part of the Cook County uh, court systems of problem-solving courts. They include drug treatment courts, mental health treatment courts, and they're going to be in, in latent criminal courts so that veterans are going to get some um, benefit uh, from legal services for free because of these grants, which I think is an excellent idea. Mm-hmm. And so I looked into Lake County, seeing that Cook County was doing this, Lake County, courses up by Waukegan and north of uh, Lake Cook Road up north. And uh, they're actually allowing incarcerating veterans, incarcerated veterans to virtually connect to VA specialists. So, for instance, if, if there is something they need for health care, learning resources through the GI Bill, you know, and one guy said, to say that I serve my country, I look at it very fondly. A Navy veteran, he's serving time for as a sex offender in Lake County but it, it, he's now getting uh, medical care at level health care system um, and other specialties other that special programs that the VA allows and so I think a lot of a lot of these hopefully we're going to see a trickling of more and more veterans uh, services to those people who are incarcerated mm-hmm. um, and uh, so I think that's a really good a step in the right direction, um, and if I could just give a couple of other, I know I'm running out of time, but I Wait would like minute. to just go through a little bit of news, news. Mm-hmm. but, you know, a lot of U.S. veterans have been subject in to terrorist attacks yeah. uh, throughout the, the course of their, uh, let's say, in Iraq, for instance, uh, in Iran. And he, the United States is is trying to cut a deal with Iran over this nuclear deal and treaty, um, but do you realize there are sixty billion dollars in unpaid terrorism lawsuits, judgments, hmm. sixty billion, and associated liens as a result of U.S. court cases against Iran, with billions more tied up in pending claims? So what the Biden administration is being pressured to do by U.S. veterans and families, and this was an NBC News report, is they're urging Biden administration not to release billions in frozen funds on the Obama administration with the, the treaty unless and until terror cases are settled for all these veterans and, and people who were, like, uh, uh, actually terrorized because, and received judgments, court judgments against uh, Iraq and Iran uh, in absentia.
1: So, Steve, I I got to cut you off of there because we're running out of time. But that's That's an interesting topic. And I appreciate you for coming on the show. We have to explore that next time you're on the show. We want to talk about that in detail. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back.
0: Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit AmericasHG.org.